if you would um, if you would go with me to uh, the book of Exodus and uh, gonna gonna read starting in Exodus chapter six and verse number six Exodus chapter six beginning with verse number six scripture says, Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, and this is the Lord instructing Moses, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. And I will take you to me, to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and you, and I will be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, or if I could say it this way, which brings you out of Egypt. Verse 8, I will bring you in unto the land concerning which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it to you for an heritage. I am the Lord. So in uh, verse number 7, he says, I'm going to bring you out of, I'm going to bring you out from under the burdens, but I'm going to bring you out of Egypt. But then in verse 8, he says, I'm going to bring you into the land. I'm going to bring you out of, and then I'm going to bring you into. I want to to share with you for a little bit here this evening on this subject. Coming out is not enough. Coming out is not enough. Father, I I thank you for your presence that continues to be with us. Lord, on on one hand, maybe we've gotten a little more used to doing things this way, but at the same time, I know most of us don't want to stay used to this. But I do thank you. I thank you for your presence that is so real in spite of our circumstances. I thank you again that you are not limited to a location, to a facility to some kind of special place that we have to gather, but wherever we are, You are there with us. So I thank You. God, I pray this evening, I know that You've been working in our lives, and I think in a very special way these last couple of months, if if we've been allowing You to, if we've been giving You the opportunity. So I'm, I'm asking You tonight, God, I know that we don't, we don't as much as we maybe sort of stuck at home with nothing else to do. Uh, my, my voice is not needed just to take up time in the evening of your people, God. And so I'm asking you, I'm asking you, God, that you would speak through me, that you would let your spirit minister to us this evening, that you would do a, a, a continue to do a work in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, Amen. I know for uh, more than likely most of you that are watching right now, you're you're pretty familiar at least with the the high points of of this story of the children of Israel and their their coming out of Egypt. They had spent over four hundred years in bondage in Egypt, and and so they had a promise that they weren't going to be there forever, even though. 400 years is a very long time. So they now have reached the point, it's now God's timing for them to come out of Egypt. And and Moses has has spent his 40 years in the wilderness and, and God has now sent him back to Egypt to be the one who's going to help lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. And uh, again, as most of you know, but just in case maybe somebody's listening or watching that maybe you're not quite as familiar, the, the, uh, the Old Testament and, and especially um, the history of the children of Israel, is, it's intended to be a, an example to us. 
the, the natural nation of Israel, the natural people, these, these natural real life stories were, were used by God to demonstrate spiritual principles. And so when it comes to the children of Israel in Egypt, in, in typology, Egypt represents the world. The world for us today that we have been saved from. And, and Israel represents the church. And so as, as you read the story of the children of Israel and you read it in that context, there's some extremely important principles that are, that are communicated through the history of the children of Israel. And, and while I, I guess in a lot of ways this, this example is, it is on a, um, on a broader level, again, the church, the world, I believe there's also some more individual applications that we can, we can learn from this. And, and that's what I want to share with you this evening is, is more so the personal application of this, this, this passage and, and the principle of what took place here. So again, in the verses that we read, the Lord makes it pretty clear to Moses, I'm going to bring you out of Egypt. I'm going to deliver you from Egypt. And so, again, in the, in the context of typology, that, that's salvation. That's us being saved. I'm going to bring you out of Egypt. I'm going to save you. And, and many of you know this, and I wish I really had time for those that may not be familiar because it's really an awesome topic, but I, I don't really have the time this evening. But, but all of the process of the children of Israel as a nation coming out of Egypt was was all demonstrating principles that are a part of the process of salvation for us today. But again, let's, let's, let's look at this in more of a personal application. Just as, and, and I know this is a very, sort of a very elementary point, but I think it's a very significant point. God's purpose was not to just bring Israel out of Egypt. That was only half of it. It's just like it's just like the principle of holiness. Holiness is separation from, but just as importantly, it's separation to. Almost 28 years ago when I got married, I I was essentially making a choice to separate myself from all other females when it comes to any kind of a a romantic relationship. But I wasn't just separating myself from them. I was separating myself to someone. And, and that's very important. I can't get bogged down on this this evening. But again, it's so critical when it comes to the, the area of holiness. It's not just separation from the world. But really, just as, and in probably some ways more importantly, it's separation unto God. And, and so here is, that's part of the principle here. God said, I want to bring you out of Egypt, but my goal is not to just save you. <laughs> my goal is not to just save you. Coming out of Egypt is salvation. But God's goal for Egypt, and again, in an in a individual application, God's purpose for you and I is not, was not, simply to save us from the world. He brought us out, but just as importantly, right. there's something He wants to right. take us to. Right. And, and so I want, you to, I want you to watch what happens here. I mean, this, is, this whole story is, is one of the, uh, I think, one of the most sensational stories in all of Scripture. I mean, it's got to rank up at the very top. Uh, you, you have... Three million plus people walking through a sea that has supernaturally parted. And they're walking through this sea on dry ground with an army coming from behind them, chasing them down. And, and this is men, women, children. This is young and old. This is, this is not, this is not an army against army here. 
and and they get through that Red Sea and the and and the 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 uh, army of Egypt is in the middle of that Red Sea and and the waters close back up and drown the army of Pharaoh. A a, a completely miraculous deliverance. And so, in Exodus chapter fourteen, is basically the story of the of the exiting from Israel, or excuse me, from Egypt. It's in Exodus 14 where we find this story of, of Moses holding up his rod and the water parting and, and the entire nation of Israel walking through on dry ground. And, and, and then the, the, the rod comes down and it swallows up. That's chapter 14. Now watch this. The very next chapter, chapter 15... They have now begun their journey. Remember, from God's perspective, they were on their journey of coming out of Egypt but going to the promised land. Verse 22 of chapter 15 says this, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Three days. Touch your spouse and say, three days. Tap your kid and say, three days. Tap your mom or dad and say, three days. (laughs) They, they, They came out Three, they are just three days from walking through a sea of water. You, you really would think that after that you could have faith for God to do anything. But watch this. Three days later, they come to the wilderness of Shur and there's no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah. So they, they, there's no water in Shur. Excuse me. They, they, yeah, they find no water in Shur. But now they come to Marah and they find water. But the water is bitter and they can't drink it. Now watch this. Watch this. Three days. Not three months, not three years, not three decades. Three days. And now they are complaining. They murmur against Moses saying, What are we going to drink? Wait a minute. You have just been saved. You have just experienced deliverance from 400 years of bondage. 400 years of living in a strange land. You're three days away from that and you're already complaining? The next couple of verses, the Lord gives Moses instruction. He sees a tree, throws the tree in the water. The water's changed. They're able to drink it and they're taken care of. That's just a couple of verses before chapter 16 and verse 1. We're going to go there next. And so, this is just the verses that we just read in Exodus 15 are are just a few verses before. Now watch this. Exodus 16 and 1. And they took their journey from Elam and all the congregation of The children of Israel came unto the wilderness of sin, and that's S-I-N, but it's really not necessarily sin in the context of sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month after departing out of the land of Egypt. So, So the previous thing we read where there were no water and they're complaining, that was... Three, just three days out. That was just three days after they had been saved from Egypt. This, if I'm reading this correctly, this is now a month and a half. So it's about 45 days. 400 years of bondage. 
this this last little bit of time before they leave Egypt was, was the most miserable time. Because Moses has... He goes to Pharaoh, you know, let my people go. And God has sent me, let my people go. And, and Pharaoh's heart is hardened. And, and, and he makes the, the labor of the children of Israel even more difficult. They, they increase the demand of, of the workload and provide less for them to do with. It was absolutely a miserable time. And watch this. We are now a month and a half away from that. And listen to what verse 2 says. The whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Oh, oh okay, okay. So, you know, they, they've experienced some challenges so far. They, they, they're in the wilderness. They don't have anything to drink. And, and again, from one perspective, you would think after watching God part the Red Sea, they would have faith that God knows how to provide water. But, oh, okay, this is still kind of new. And, and so here they are a month and a half later, and, and it's not the most favorable conditions, but again, they're now free. They're not under bondage anymore. They're they're not having to serve uh, uh, unruly taskmasters, harsh taskmasters. They're free. No, they're not in the best of circumstances. They're in a wilderness, but, but still, they're free. And so verse 2, they're murmuring. They're complaining against Moses and Aaron. But watch what verse 3 says. 45 days. 45 days away from hundreds of years in bondage. And watch what they say. The children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. Now watch what they say. We had when we sat by the flesh pots, and we did eat bread to the full, for you have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly. Wait a minute. You, you, ate, you sat by the flesh pots and you ate bread to the full. You had food to eat. But do you forget the bondage? You forget the slavery? That you were living under? You're thinking about the fact you had some food, but do you forget the circumstances? Because coming out is not enough. Salvation was not God's end goal, if you will. That's really only the starting point of what God has for you and for me. But here's the problem. Too many of us, we, 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 we get the coming out part. We repent of our sins. We get baptized in Jesus' name and we get filled with the Holy Ghost. But the problem is, that's brought us out of Egypt, but we're in a wilderness. You know the story, and just in case somebody's watching, listening that doesn't, they, they end up spending... 40 years in the wilderness. If my study and research is correct in this area, it basically should have taken them a couple of months. It, it basically should have been a couple of month process to come out of Egypt and then go into the promised land. God's plan, God's plan was not 40 years in the wilderness. God's plan is, I want to bring you out of the world. I want to save you from sin. But that's not enough. I've got a promised land that I want to take you to. And I, I'm going to come back to this in a, in a minute here, but I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there. That promised land in this context is not heaven. 
I think sometimes I've heard it, and again, more so on the broader application of this this topic, this this story, that you know the promised land is heaven. Let me just again, I'm gonna come, probably come back to this in a few minutes, but just to make the point quickly here, if the promised land is is symbolic of heaven, there was fighting, there was there was land that had to be possessed and taken. That that doesn't sound like heaven to me. So it, I, 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 my goal is I want to bring, I want to save you. I want to deliver you from the bondage of Egypt, the bondage of sin. And, and I've got to take you through this wilderness. And it was a purposeful, I, I, there were some things, and in fact, I'll, I'll read it to you. Deuteronomy 6, verse 1. This is, this is still, this is still, if my, understanding of the timeline is correct. This is still before they, they, their actions cause God to say, okay, you're not going in. Every person that's, I think, 21 and older, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was, you're not going in. That's why they spent the next 40 years was so all of those people could die off and so this, Deuteronomy 6, this is before, this is before that decision from God that they couldn't go in comes. So this is still while, in essence, they are on track according to God's plan. Yeah, they've already been complaining and griping some, but they're still basically moving forward. And so in Deuteronomy 6 and verse 1, it says this, These are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land whither you go to possess it. I think I might need to get my stool out from, from Thursday night. Maybe if you were watching Thursday night, it's kind of, I think, easy to recognize a little bit of difference in the tone and the intensity here this evening. The Lord God commanded, these are the, the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord God commanded to teach you. Now watch this. The giving of the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments. The, the giving, in fact, it's the next couple of verses after this where we get the Ten Commandments. This chapter, the next couple of verses. Watch, watch what the Lord says. He tells them what or why He is giving, him, giving them these commandments, statutes, and judgments. I am giving them. He was not giving them to them for how to live in the wilderness. He was not giving them commandments, statutes, and judgments so that they knew how to live in the wilderness, it says this, I'm giving these to you so that you might do them, where? In the land whither you go to possess it. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all His statutes and commandments which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life and that thy days may be prolonged. So it is in this process, He's brought them out of Egypt. He has saved them from the world. But He's got something He wants to take them to. He's got a promised land for them. And so the wilderness was a part of God's plan. Because there were some things that God needed to establish from the time they came out of Egypt before they went into the wilderness, or excuse me, into the promised land. There were some things that God was working in them. There were some things that God was giving them so that when they got into the promised land, they'd know how to live. I don't want to get, I don't want to get too sidetracked here, but this, this, this proves to me that this 
idea in Christianity today that once you get saved, that there's grace and and, and God's grace, it, it, it's a license to, to live however you want. That God doesn't really care how you live. God doesn't really care what you do, where you go, how you dress, how you talk. The word my dad is famous for using, that's hogwash. He said, I am giving you commandments, statutes, and judgments so that when you get to the place I'm trying to take you, you're going to know how to live there. But again, it wasn't just enough to come out. Coming out, being saved from Egypt, was not enough to keep them satisfied and motivated. I believe I'm, I believe I'm talking to some people tonight that you've come out of Egypt. You've been baptized in Jesus' name. You've been filled with the Holy Ghost. You, you, you've come out of Egypt. But you're not really satisfied right now. You're, you're not really content right now because you're stuck in the wilderness. How in the world? I don't, I don't comprehend. I do not comprehend how they could be longing to go back to Egypt. I, I don't understand that in general, much less when they're only a month and a half away. It's not like they were so far away from it that it was this long, distant memory of our past, of their past. They had, they had just lived it. These are the adults in this group. They were the ones that had been in the bondage. They were the ones that had been under the in, in, in slavery. They were the ones that were having to work so hard and, and being beaten if the work wasn't good enough. And they are already... I've heard sometimes where... I've heard people talk about saved folks, talk about their past. And at times I've heard it in a way that it troubled me a little bit because it didn't sound necessarily like a testimony of what God had brought them out of. It kind of sounded more like an expression of some things they were missing. If you get, if you get stuck in the wilderness, you're going to start looking back. If you get stuck in the wilderness, which is not God's destination, but it is a very necessary part of the process. If you get stuck there, it's not going to be good enough to keep you saved. You're going to start looking back at what you used to have. It's, it's coming out of, but it's going into... And again, there, there's got to be that wilderness. That wilderness was a very necessary part of the journey. Because God was, God was establishing. His, His intent was, I'm going to bring you out of Egypt. I'm taking you into the promised land. But this in-between place is very important for the future. I, I can't take you right out of Egypt straight into the promised land because you're going to take the customs and the culture of Egypt. Oh, hallelujah. I don't, I don't know what this is like where you are, but I'm feeling a little bit of preaching coming on. <laughs> I, I can't take you straight from the influence of Egypt into what I have for you. I need to put some things in you. I, I need to get your way of thinking adjusted. I, I need you to see things differently than you have for the last several generations. I need you. I can't have you living in the promised land that I have for you the same way you lived in Egypt. But again, if you get caught up in the wilderness and looking back at Egypt you're probably going to go back to Egypt. 
But God's plan, God's desire is, I brought you out of, but I didn't bring you out of just to keep you out of hell. I didn't bring you out of the world. God did not bring you and me out of the world simply so we could avoid hell. For every single one of us, and again, in a a more personal application, for every single one of us, God's got a promised land. God has a place that He has prepared for you and I, a place to live in, a, a place to occupy where there are some things that are exceeding abundantly above what we could ask or think. Again, I don't think that I don't think the promised land represents heaven. Because they had to fight for territory. They had to battle to take new land. They had been given the promise. They had been given the guarantee by God, I've given you the land. But He said, you've got to go in and possess it. That was the instructions He gave. You've got to go in and possess the land. That word possess implies there's some conflict. There's some struggle. There's some, there's some battles that have got to go on. That's not heaven. We're not going to heaven to battle for our territory, to battle our way. That's not heaven. Paul said it this way, and I I think this applies to this this principle here this evening in 1 Corinthians 2 and 9. I has, but as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love Him. You understand that this evening? In the midst again of these crazy circumstances, God, when He saved you, had things prepared for you, a purpose, a place, And again, your thankfulness for being saved from the world is only going to last so long. There's got to be a promised land that you are pursuing. There's got to be a promised land that God is using your wilderness to get you to. Look look at Elisha. Elijah comes by. Throws his mantle on Elisha who's plowing with twelve yoke of oxen. Elisha calls out after Elijah, hold on, I'm coming after you. And, and he goes back and he burns, the, uh, he, he makes a sacrifice of the oxen and uses the wood from the plow uh, as the fuel for that sacrifice. Leaves that behind. And you know what he does at that moment in the context of this? He enters the wilderness. That's really all that had happened. He leaves that behind and he now enters his wilderness. Because for the next period of time, his role is simply serving Elijah. There's nothing really great that happens for Elisha. There's no miracles that Elisha does yet. There's no sensational experiences that Elisha has initially. He's in a wilderness. He's in this process of coming out of something. He has left something behind. He's in this wilderness, but he's going to something. And Elisha enters His promised land that day that Elijah gets taken up into the heavens and that mantle falls back to the ground and Elisha picks up the mantle of Elijah and he comes back to the Jordan River. The Jordan River that just a short time before that Elijah had taken his mantle and and, and smote the waters of the Jordan and the, and the waters parted and they walked through. Now Elisha, Elijah is gone. And now Elisha... Huh, this is kind of interesting. We'll come back to this here towards the end. But it was the Jordan that the children of Israel crossed to get into the promised land. 
it was the Jordan, if I'm not mistaken, that was the river that Elijah and Elisha had confronted. So the same river that the children of Israel crossed from their wilderness into their promised land is the same river that Elisha went from his wilderness of serving to now his promised land of ministry. And the Bible tells us that uh, uh, Elisha, he did twice as many miracles, or God did twice as many miracles through Elisha than he did through Elijah. But there had to be, there had to be something going into, not just coming out. Uh, listen to what Paul says in Philippians three and verse number ten. I don't know exactly what point. Another interesting note here before I read this. Paul, Paul kind of had a similar experience. He has that conversion on the road to Damascus and responds and changes. But you know, he went and you can find this. I think it's in Galatians 1, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere in there. He basically immediately goes off for this season, this three-year season that there's really not much known about. I believe that what was going on in that three years was Paul came out of Egypt, but he had to go to the wilderness for a little while because there was a promised land that God had for him. And was there ever more a promised land for Paul? But listen to what Paul says, and this is, this is already a good point into his ministry, but he says this in Philippians 3, verse 10, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto His death, if by any means I might attain in the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ. What, what Paul was saying here is, I, I wasn't just saved, I didn't just have that encounter on the road to Damascus to get me out of Egypt. I was apprehended or I was arrested for a purpose that God had for me. And now I am trying to apprehend, I am going after what it was that God went after me for. And then he, he says that Paul, the Apostle Paul, this isn't just anybody talking here, folks. The Apostle Paul says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I think in principle what Paul was saying is, if I don't have something ahead of me that I am striving for, if there's not more that I am reaching for, I'm going to be drawn to go back to what's behind me. The Scripture says of Jesus, of Jesus. I mean, to me, if there's anybody in all of, if there was ever a human being in all of history that would have done the right thing simply because it was the right thing to do, it would have been Jesus. But according to Hebrews chapter 12, that wasn't really the case. Because Hebrews 12 tells us that Jesus endured the cross. He went through that whole process because of the joy that was set before Him. Because of what was in front of Him. I've come to tell some people this evening, as you're sitting at home, or sitting wherever you're sitting right now, that's not the normal place to be for a Sunday night service, I've come to tell you tonight, there's some things that God has in the future, but you're going to have to reach. You're going to have to strive. And if you get content with where you are, you are going to eventually go back. 
how, how, I'm sorry for coming back to this, but how in the world do you have a longing to go back to Egypt? I'm talking to people this evening. God's delivered you from drugs. God's delivered you from alcohol. God's God's delivered you from depression. God's delivered you from other things. God's put your life back together. And and yeah, it it, it could be easy in in, in a moment to say, I'd never go back. But if you never get past your wilderness, there's a good chance. There's a good chance you're going to go back. Because God's purpose was not to just bring you out. God brought you out. But there are some things that He desires to take you in to. And the the encouraging and exciting thing to me is, if the Apostle Paul after all that God had done through him already at the point at which we just read, if he had already had the accomplishments that had taken place, if at that point Paul is saying, I I haven't achieved, I, I haven't apprehended the thing that God apprehended me for, I don't know what that does to you, but that encourages me because that tells me whatever God has already done in my life, what whatever God has already used me for, there is still more that I can reach for. Again, going back to the promised land, there, there's more land to possess. There's, there's more territory to take. There's more things that God wants to to do through you and do through me. Again, eye has not seen, ear has not heard. I, I wish you, I wish you, at the very least, think it this way. Maybe even, maybe even say it out loud right now this way. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, neither has it entered into my understanding the things that God has prepared for me. You see, it's not always difficult to think about what God's prepared for someone else. You know, I I know God's got great things prepared for so-and-so. I know God's got great things for prepared for brother so and so and sister so and so. I I know that, but 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 me. You need to know to wherever you are, whatever whatever God has already used you to do, however God has already worked through your life, whatever promised land you've already been able to possess in your walk with God, there is always more. I watch watch what watch what happens now this 40 years is over and and all of that older generation has died off however even though I had already read the bible through a couple of times it really was only a couple of years ago when I finally discovered or or really realized the scripture tells us very clearly the purpose of the wilderness you see, I had, and I would imagine, I'm not alone here. I spent years with the perception that the purpose of the wilderness was basically punishment for the unbeliever. They came to the Jordan River. Moses sends the 12 spies. They come back from the promised land. Yeah, the things that God said are there. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, but but there's giants there, and we are only as grasshoppers. We can't take the land. And so at, at that point, now it's Joshua and Caleb and the younger generation. They're the ones that are going to go in. And so, so they're going to spend the next 40 years in punishment because of their unbelief. And that's not what the Scripture says. My apology, of course, many of you that know me know I I can quote a lot of Scripture. I just don't always remember off the top of my head exactly where they are, so I apologize. But the Scripture clearly says that they spent 40 years in the wilderness 
for the testing and the proving of the faith of the ones who were going to go into the promised land. It wasn't punishment. It wasn't punishment for the older generation. It was the testing and the proving. Because again, there is a purpose to the wilderness. Every one of us, the journey has to be we come out of Egypt, we're saved. But then there is a season that God intends to use in our lives to get some things established in us. But it's for the purpose, not the, for the purpose of us just staying saved. The wilderness is not just so we can stay out of Egypt. It's simply the transition to get to the promised land. And so here they are, that 40 years is up, that, that generation, the generations that can't go have now all died off. It's, it's now Joshua and Caleb and the younger generation that now obviously 40 years, many of them have become adults now. And so Joshua chapter 3 and verse number 1 says this, Joshua rose early in the morning and, they re and removed from Shai to Tim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priest and the Levites bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. Now watch this. This is the Lord telling Joshua, this is what's about to happen. You're about to cross into the promised land. Look at what verse 5 says. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, because tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. See, there is a little bit of a challenge here. And that is what was necessary to get you out of Egypt is not enough to get you into the promised land. All you had to do to come out of Egypt was repent, be baptized, and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And that got you out of Egypt. But you couldn't get into the promised land simply on what got you out of Egypt. Joshua says, we're about to go into the promised land. We are about to enter into the things that God has for us. Things that God has promised. In fact, these are, these are promises that have been given to them hundreds of years before. It's going to happen tomorrow, but before we go in tomorrow, we've got to sanctify. We've got to rededicate. We've got to recommit ourselves. Because the struggle is, and this is where some of us have been is God has brought us to the Jordan to cross into our promised land. But we haven't been willing to sanctify ourselves. We haven't been willing to go to the level of commitment and dedication that's necessary to go from the wilderness to the promised land. I suppose, and I'm not here to get into some kind of big theological debate or stir up a big theological debate. I suppose you might be able, if you work hard enough, which is probably um, a um, contradiction all of, its, all of itself. <laughs> but I suppose that you might be able to somehow manage to survive in the wilderness and, and ultimately be saved. But that's, that's not the norm. Because again, God's purpose is I'm bringing you out to take you in. And God has also created us in such a way that we are not satisfied. It is not enough. As thankful as 
most of us, and I had the great privilege of being receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost at seven years old. Obviously, most of you know that I'm born and raised. My parents were the past founding pastors of Antioch. I was born and raised as an apostolic. Got the Holy Ghost at seven years old. This is all I've known. But many of you, that's not your story. You were adults and you got baptized, got the Holy Ghost, and, and you knew what it was like to have that really amazing experience of knowing the load of sin. I, I'm, I, you're, I'm no better than you. I, I, I've said that many times. That's not my point. But I wasn't a drug addict at seven. Well, as some have said, this is not original. I was a drug addict. My parents drugged me to church and drugged me to conferences and drugged me here and there. I didn't have that deliverance. And, and, and I'm, I'm talking to people this evening. You had a dramatic deliverance. God brought you out of stuff. But kind of that alone doesn't, isn't enough to keep you going forever. That's why pretty much every adult that's listening to me right now, you probably can think of people some of you can think of the person that brought you to church, the person that witnessed to you and was responsible for talking to you about salvation, that that person is no longer saved. Could it be because maybe they never got through the wilderness into their promised land? Again, the wilderness wasn't a waste there were some very important things that took place that were supposed to take place in the wilderness. But that wasn't the destination. God does not simply bring us out. That's not the goal. I originally thought that this was what I was going to preach this morning. And then earlier this morning, I... Felt like the Lord completely changed the direction for this morning, which is why I wore my grow shirt tonight. As I'm not here tonight to simply put in a plug for grow, but but really that's that's kind of at the heart of, or at least a part of the heart of what grow is about. You're not going to be content to just come to church when we can go to church. You're not going to be content to just receive. I, 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 I remember back to especially high school. That's probably the point in my life that I was in the best physical shape of my life. But the reason was there was something I was getting in shape for. There was something I wanted to be in shape for. And the main thing that was in high school was basketball. I wanted, I wanted to be physically fit. I wanted to have endurance. I, I, I wanted to be able to get to the fourth quarter, and especially when it was a, a close game. I wanted to be able to get to the fourth quarter and 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 not be uh, not have my tongue dragging on the floor. So I was highly motivated. I want to be really transparent. I've always tried to be transparent, but I'd be really transparent, maybe more than, um, or in a different way. I'm just going to really put myself out there. I, these last couple of weeks. <laughs> trying to figure out some of the different settings, ways that we're doing either the videos I've done during the week or the stuff we're doing live, trying to figure out a way to sit and not look like Santa Claus. I'm not quite that big. and But you know what? So far, and we're almost eight weeks into this, that hasn't been enough of a motivation. <laughs> My, my point is, and you can watch, this isn't just, just me, you can watch as many professional athletes. It's, it's, not, 
at least it appears to me, and I've never done a, a, a scientific survey on this, but from observation, you can watch some of them as, as that, that used to be the athletes, some star athletes that are now uh, the broadcasters and commentators for, for uh, networks and, and teams. Guys that used to be very physically fit that are now significantly overweight. Why? Because the joy that was set before them that they used to work for and towards is not there anymore. I'm telling you, I, I don't know my, 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 my mind, even as I'm about to say this, my mind doesn't quite comprehend it, but, but I think there's plenty of evidence to prove it. The motivation to simply get to heaven is usually not enough to keep people saved. The simple fact of coming out of Egypt and being delivered from sin and receiving salvation is usually not enough. But the bottom line, I think that's the case because that wasn't God's plan. He wasn't just trying to bring you out and that was it. He wants to bring you out to take you in. I hope and pray that the Holy Ghost is speaking to some hearts and lives this evening. I know there's some of you that are watching, you're listening, you're 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 on this journey, you're progressing, you're moving forward. You've many of you probably you've already made it through the wilderness and now you're in the promised land. But again, this is not a negative. The good news is that even once you get into the promised land that God has for you. There's always more to possess. There's always, there's always more that God has. There's another level of understanding. There's, there's, a, there's another level of sensitivity. There's, a, there's another level of authority. There's another level of demonstration. There, there, there's more. There's more. I don't know. I, I don't know what. You know what all of you think of me now, and I guess in a lot of ways I, I shouldn't care, but I, I probably do more than I should. But I don't know what you really think about. I know some of you have been very kind, and you're complimentary of my teaching and my preaching, etc. And so I, I appreciate that. But overall, I, I don't know what all of you think about me. I, I would hope, just being honest, I hope I'm. At least all of you that are part of Antioch Central, I hope that I'm your favorite preacher and teacher in the whole world. I mean, I know that's flesh and carnal, but I, that's my hope. So I say that because I, I don't, I don't, at least to the best of my ability, I don't have uh, some kind of uh, inflated idea that I'm the greatest teacher or preacher that's ever lived. In fact, most of the time as I listen to other preachers and teachers, it causes me to think otherwise. So I, I want to say all that because I, I don't want what I'm about to say to come across wrong, but I sometimes I think back to 15, 20 years ago when I was preaching, or 15, 20 years ago, I guess was I hadn't just started preaching. I had been preaching for a little while. But I think back to that, I'm like, how, what did I even preach? What did I even say? What did I even know? <laughs> I, my point is, I believe this year, if I'm not mistaken, is basically 30 years since I preached my first message. I think I was 18. I, I've, I've said this before. Sometimes I think, you know, especially on an average week, I preach two services on Sunday and teach on Thursday nights. And I honestly, literally, this is not just for drama's sake. I've, I've thought at times, I mean, if the rapture doesn't take place and I keep living, is there always going to be something to preach? Is there always going to be something fresh? 30 years, that's pretty much been the case. My, my point is, hope somebody's, hope somebody's appetite is being wet tonight, fresh and new. I, I hope a hunger is being stirred up in somebody tonight. 
wherever you are, whatever achievements, whatever spiritual achievements you may have, there's more. And then for those of you, thank God He's brought you out of Egypt. Thank God He saved you. Thank God you've been filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name and spoken tongues. Thank God for that. But that's not the destination. That's, you're just in the wilderness. You're just in the wilderness if all you've done is just got saved. God has a promised land. God has a promised land for you. Father, help us this evening. I pray, God, that as we have these, whatever, however much longer it lasts, this unusual time that many of us, and I know there, there's also a lot of people that still go to work every single day. They're, they're putting in 40 plus hours, but, but there are a lot of people that their schedule's not what it usually is. I pray that in this season that we've been in now for a couple of months, but we've still got a little while longer to go. I pray, God, that there would be some fresh hunger stirred within us. Don't let us get stagnant in the wilderness, God. That we've, It's a wonderful thing that we've come out of Egypt. It's a wonderful thing that we've been saved that's not the goal and heaven's not just the goal but for every one of us God you've got a promised land for, for every one of us you've got some things to enter into that are, that are things that you have prepared for us help us tonight God Lord over the, the last couple of months we've been, we've been trying more than ever to provide that direction and that opportunity but if we're not hungry for it, it doesn't really matter what's available. We, we've got to pursue. Help us tonight, God. Help us tonight. I pray for those that may be watching right now that they've been in the wilderness for a little while and they're starting to be drawn back to Egypt. They've been in the wilderness for so long they haven't entered into the promised land yet that they're starting to look back to Egypt with longing. God, by Your grace, rather than them going backwards to Egypt, let that hunger and passion be stirred up to pursue the promised land that You have. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, 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 in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I will be what you've called me to. I say yes, Lord, I agree, my desire passionately is to be what you've called me to be, that's what I'll be. I say yes, Lord, I agree, my desire passionately is to be what you've called me to be, that's what I'll be. I say yes, Lord, I agree, my desire passionately 
be what you've called me to be. That's what I'll be. I will be what you've called me to be. I say one more time. I will be what you've called me to be. I say yes. Lord, I agree. My desire passionately is to be what you've called me to that's what I'll be. You know, one thing that's so amazing about the kingdom of God, while none of us, again, if the rapture doesn't take place and we live to an old age, whatever that may be, we, we, don't, we don't stay in the same position or the same role in the kingdom of God. But there is always, always a place. And nobody has to retire from a purpose and a place in the kingdom. And, and uh, as we were singing, this just came back to me. I, I saw a post on Instagram today. It's a pastor. He's in California. And he posted a picture of a 92 year old lady who is a Russian lady and at 92 years old she does Bible study every day by FaceTime or Zoom or I don't remember if it said the exact platform that was used 92 years old she's still taking territory in her promised land. 92 years old and she's still possessing more. There's really nothing else in the world like it. Some of you have been through experiences where you've gotten older in a job situation and they've kind of pushed you out because of age. Again, we, we may not stay, we won't stay in the exact same role or position there's always more to possess in your promised land, in my promised land. God bless you. And I sincerely, uh, even though I, I can't see you, I believe you're there. And so I thank you for joining us this evening. And um, I, I hope, hope and pray that in this season we're in, God is stirring more things inside of you that your relationship, your walk with God and your ministry is going to grow and develop and continue that way until Jesus comes. In Jesus' name.